Taliban forces entered the heart of the Afghan capital, Kabul, today. Two years ago, the Taliban stormed into Kabul, devastating the lives of thousands of Afghans in the process. It marked the end of a 20-year presence of coalition forces and the beginning of a dark new chapter for the war-scarred nation, dramatically rolling back rights and freedoms. Afghans who'd worked with the British, American and other Western nations had little option but to run for their lives. Nearly 25,000 of these have settled in the UK. But as we reach the two-year mark since the fall of Kabul, many of them are facing an uncertain future. Welcome to the iPodcast, where this week we'll meet three Afghan women who are rebuilding their lives in Britain. Our first guest, we're calling Adela. We changed all the women's names. You'll see why shortly. Adela worked with the Afghan government. She loved her job, but it put her firmly in the Taliban sites when they took control. I was actually working with the government. It was a very normal and a very good and productive life. Every day I was thinking about doing something new, trying to help people around me because the area that I was working, it was covering actually all over Afghanistan. So I could bring a very small, small positive change in every area if I wanted. So it was a life full of, uh, how to say, a very productive life. Like I, I would love to, to go back to that life. I had a daughter. She was only three years old that time. And my husband was working and like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really normal life actually. And at the same time, the job I was doing in Afghanistan, I was very much in touch with the uh, embassies in Afghanistan, like United States, United Kingdom and Canada. These were the three main embassies that I was in touch with them. And I was working with them actually like on different topics, like child protection, human security, civilian protection, all these stuff. And when things happened and when, when Taliban came for two days, I was not able to, to even sense what I was feeling. I, I, I couldn't feel nothing. It, just my husband was trying to, to ask me to wear something very long to have my headscarf on so that if someone came into my house and looking for something in my house, because I was working with the government and, and the position was like a position where the Taliban was really looking for you, like where you're living, what you're doing, and they were thinking that maybe we have some governmental properties in our house, like cars or, or maybe guns or something, because we were allowed to have small rifles. I don't know what you call these small guns that you should carry for your safety. So they were just trying to put something, a very long clothes and asking me to have my head scarf on because if they came in, they shouldn't realize who I am. So they will just come and search the house and they will go out. That was the whole thing that I remember for four, for four first days. And after those four days, I received a call from the human security course director at the time that I, I, I attended. And she asked me, like, where you are at the moment? And I told her that I'm in my house. And she told me, tell me how far your house is from the airport. And I told her it's, it's just four kilometers or something. And she told me that you have to do something to to reach to the airport so that we can get you out of there because they knew because of the, the job that I had and the nature of the job that I had. So 
yeah, that's the whole thing that I remember. But then I couldn't manage to go to the airport because a bomb blast happened in the airport. And I had a family, a big family. It was almost a family of seven people. And it, it was tough for me. And I had a very small daughter and my husband was not ready to, to have her go through all that trauma and that terrible situation in the airport. Because I, I'm sure you have seen the videos and everything at the airport. And my husband was like, with no cost, I'm not ready to take my daughter to go through that thing because she will remember it for the rest of her life. We have to stay at home. As international governments organised evacuations for at-risk Afghans, Adela was taken to a city in the north of the country and promised a flight out. But things went badly wrong. Every day I was waiting for a flight to take me to somewhere which I didn't know if it's UK or if it's UEA or if it is Albania or wherever. I didn't know nothing. But you won't believe... I waited for flights for more than 46 days, only two rooms, with no beds, no mattresses, no pillow, nothing. For six people, we only had two pillows, one bed, and one chair. I have pictures I can share that my daughter, my husband, me, and my brother, we spent 46 days just laying on the ground, and then 26 women were kidnapped by Taliban and no one knew where those women are. And then these people who were living in that hotel, they were all moved back to Kabul, to the Intercontinental Hotel in Kabul. And we stayed in that hotel for more than seven weeks. And after that, they managed to take me with my five members of my family. One member of my family, she was really sick. She couldn't travel. So she stayed back home with her families and everything who else. Then we six people, we left to Pakistan. And that was the time that I read normally. And I feel like, okay, now I'm safe. Now I'm not going to die. Now my daughter is okay. And my husband is okay. And everyone that it was really tough for me. But the day that I left Afghanistan to Pakistan and the process and the route And being in Pakistan and leaving Pakistan to the United Kingdom was all very smooth, really good. And that was really good. These resettlements took place under two schemes. The Afghan Relocations and Assistance Programme, known by the acronym ARAP, allows those who work with the British in Afghanistan and their families to move to the UK. The Afghan Citizens Resettlement Scheme identifies at-risk Afghan civilians, such as activists, government workers or LGBT plus people, who are also eligible for relocation. I spoke to Zara, whose husband worked with the British forces and came to the UK last year. So my husband was a translator with the British force in Afghanistan and we came, we came in January, we reached to the UK in January 2022 uh, through Islamabad, Pakistan. We did not leave Afghanistan immediately. We did not leave Kabul immediately. Uh, we stayed for the almost three and a half months after the Taliban captured Kabul. My husband's life was at risk, and because of my husband, our lives were at risk. So we, we couldn't live uh, with calmness. It was really difficult. Every minute we thought that maybe Taliban comes to our house, they find our accommodation, they find our location, and they maybe may capture me, arrest my, may take my husband. Zara was safe at last from the Taliban, but spending 20 months in a hotel with her in-laws, daughter and husband presented a fresh set of challenges. 
Nearly 9,000 Afghans are thought to be still living in hotels, but that will all change soon. This hotel actually had a lot of challenges. It is really a comfortable hotel. Everything, all the facilities, everything is here. But the main thing is that uh, living in a place, in a hotel for a long time, is really crucial. A person gets really... It's not a matter of getting bored. It's a matter of just uh, facing with the challenges, bearing the challenges, and be patient, 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 and finally bursting. The food was not good for us, actually, because we have different type of food eating, and we were not allowed to do our cooking. For sure, there is no space uh, in the kitchen also. We could not do In the hotel, there is no facility, no washing machine, and uh, it was really difficult until now. We wash with our hands. I think the major issue, major problem with all the families in this hotel is because of washing clothes with hands, especially for us, it's okay, we are three person, but there are families who have five children, six children. They are a family of nine person, eight mm. person. It's really difficult for a mother to wash the clothes by hands. One of the other challenges that we faced all the families here in the hotel, because this hotel is located in a countryside, so far from the town. Far from the markets, far from the shopping malls, shopping centers, or supermarkets. But some of the families didn't have cars, so they used buses. So these were challenges, actually. But finally, we have overcome the challenges. Overcome means that we are now at the end. We are leaving the hotel as soon as possible, hopefully. But for Adela, the stay in the hotel provided opportunities no longer available to her back in Afghanistan, even if the food wasn't to her liking. In the hotel, mine is maybe a little bit different because I'm normally looking into things from a different angle. I took it as an opportunity of settling down in the, in the new society with the new tradition and new culture and everything. I find it a, a, a good experience. Like um, My husband could get a good job. I could manage to improve my language skills, like to talking to the people from the reception of the hotel, to the people who are working in the hotel. And then I find myself very connected from the people from Afghanistan who are in the hotel because I haven't ever seen that big community of Afghans even in Afghanistan because I, I was like very much connected to a small family in Afghanistan. So I was always with them. But when I came here, I see different people we have been entered to a total new culture of everything, not just eating, you know. In Afghanistan, food is like, it's oily, it's salty, it's very, very full of spices and everything. But here, you prefer more to the, to the, the how to say, the, the healthy food. And we are not used to that, unfortunately. So <laughs> it was different. Yeah, it was really hard for up, especially for our kids. To have that food, it was tough. It was hard to, to get used to it. But it's it's like it's only a cultural difference, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can't ask a hotel to change all their stuff and their strategy just for people who are coming into that hotel. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, okay. the food was a little bit problematic. Of course, like sometimes when people are telling me like, okay, let's go for a vacation, we'll book a hotel. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't talk to me about a hotel for more than five or six years because... I already lived for a very long time in a hotel. We'll find out what happens to these women after the hotels in just a moment. 
But before that, I'd just like to talk to you about a digital subscription to I. Our journalists cover global events in real time, from breaking news to incisive analysis and in-depth features. To support this important work and keep up to date with all the latest news and features, consider a subscription. Go to inews.co.uk forward slash podcast and get more than 30% off a digital subscription to I. I for Open Minds. Subscribe today. Our next guest we're calling Samira. She's speaking to us via a translator. Samira has been stuck in two hotel rooms in Wales for the last two years with her husband and their young children. She's lucky to have him by her side. He nearly didn't make it out. Before all of this happened, we had a normal life, a very good normal life. My husband was working. I was home taking care of my kids. They were going to school. Everything was normal. It was a normal and a good life. As she explains her escape, the painful memories get too much. She's crying. Oh, I'm sorry. If she wants to take a break at any point or stop talking, it's really fine. And she's saying, no, it's okay, I will continue. And she's saying that, will all this happen in Afghanistan? Every moment we were waiting for a call to receive from the embassy or somewhere can tell us that when we can leave that country. Uh, Actually, even Taliban came. The office of her, her husband still was working. So for one day, he traveled two times to the office. He came back to us and then he go back to office. And when he was coming back, Taliban took him and asked him, like, why you are going and coming back? What's what's the problem? And then they realized that my husband is from Pineshade, you know, the Pineshade area where the people are resisting against Taliban. So they took him in a, in a house with a big yard. And then I don't know what happened and how they managed to help him. But somehow they helped him to get him from those people till end of the day. And from that time, my husband, till the day that we were leaving to Pakistan, he never left the house because we, we were really afraid that something would happen to him. So that was the time that I thought I, I need to leave this country, but I didn't know what would happen to us here. Samira is happy to be safe in the UK, but the upheaval she's gone through is not over. The hotels Samira and thousands of other Afghans are staying in will be closed at the end of August. They are forcing us to accept the accommodation offer that they have given us. They're telling us either you are accepting it or denying it. It's up to you. But if you deny, then you have to find your own accommodation and go wherever you want. We can't help you. And the life in that time in the hotel was not good. It was really hard. We were stuck in that place. My kids were stuck in that place. We had different kind of illnesses and and a lot of things like ups and downs happened to us during this time. Last week, there was a meeting happened in the hotel and there was a people from the home office, from the council and people from the hotel and everyone was there. And it was a really, really tough meeting for the attendees who attended from the hotel because they have told us on 21st of August, you will have your breakfast inside the hotel and then at 12 o'clock at the afternoon, the doors will be closed in the hotel and the electricity and the water service and everything will be locked. You have to leave. We don't know where you're going. It's up to you. Wherever you want to go, you have to go. And that was really tough for us to hear 
because those who already had an offer of a house like me, they can move to a house. At least we will have a place to live there that I'm leaving next Monday and I'm happy for that. But the problem is that I don't know what is inside of that house. Is it furnished or it is not? We haven't seen the location. We don't know how far it is from the services that need to be provided for us. But we are at least happy that there is a house where we can go and stay inside of it. But I'm really sad for the people that they still don't have a house offer or nothing, where they will go and how they will deal with this situation. Because on the 21st, everything will be closed and no one will know where they have to go because the hotels are not going to keep us after that. She said a house was offered to her in the north of Wales. This house, they have been showing some pictures from outside of the house and everything, but they don't know if the house is furnished or not. It has been offered to them from the government, from the council of that area. So it's like two or five Afghan families are going to move to that area. So if, if you're asking me about the feelings, I don't know how I feel at the moment because it's something like if I go against of it, it will again destroy me. If I go with it, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Is the house furnished? Is it the house where it's close to the services that needs to be provided for me? If all these things are good, then of course I will be happy, but I don't know nothing about it. When we had been to their house that the government given them to visit maybe two or three families who left the hotel, there was nothing in that house. They were sleeping on the ground. They even didn't have a pan to cook something in it. And it was cold and they are even needy of a very small portion of food. They don't have nothing in that houses. So this was my experience from the houses that the newly given to the people. I'm sharing that with you. And I want you to know that there are people that they are just struggling living in the houses or the accommodations that the government provided them because uh, they don't have a blanket to have it on their self and they are living on the ground and it's, it's really, really tough for them. Mm. So it gives me anxiety. But as long as we are being close to move from the hotel to that house, I'm happy from one side that at least I'm having something where I can keep me and my children and my husband safe under one roof. But at the same time, I don't know what's coming up to me in the future. The housewife, it's good. But what the services that I'm receiving there, because I don't know the language. The, the main problem we are facing is the language. We don't know the language. And if you don't know the language, you can't solve your problem. So I, I think that's the main problem that I have. Just over 10,000 Afghans had been moved into permanent accommodation by the end of March. But all of the women I spoke to knew people who had no housing sorted. Charities such as the British Red Cross have called for the deadline to be delayed if some still don't have accommodation ready by the end of August. Many Afghans have turned to the private rental sector, but high rent and deposit costs and little stock make it incredibly tough. Zara scoured the local rental market looking for properties to no avail. She's finally managed to find a flat with help from the local council and is excited to move on. Important thing for us for me, for my family, is just to start our life finally. Because here we couldn't, we couldn't have our life. We couldn't start our life. Everything was depending on moving to our. Because when my husband was uh, searching for some jobs, so the main thing was uh, some of the organizations, some of the company, they asked for the house address, home address. We didn't have an address, so they didn't accept the hotel address. 
when I applied for something, they, they asked for a home address. Mm-hmm. So everything was difficult for us. We wanted a home, a house to have our own address. So I'm really happy that at least we can have our own address. We can find uh, jobs, maybe not with that much difficulty that we had it yeah. here. Yeah. At least we, we can, yeah, we can start a life finally. We have to be optimistic. So, yeah, I hope for a good future, I hope. Adela has already found a place in the south of England, where her husband is now working. While she feels optimistic about the future for her and her daughter, she still grieves the life she left behind. For me, it's like seeing my daughter getting prepared to go to the reception is everything. Because I know, I know there are moms like me back home. At the moment, they will definitely cry for their daughters that they are not going to school. Right. And I know there are the women in Afghanistan that they are maybe crying for not having the opportunity to share their talent, to work for other women and people around them. Right. Because they are stuck in a house and they're not allowed to go even to the market without their husband, brother or father, because they should have a man with them when they're going out of their house. When I see it from that angle. I am hopeful for my daughter's future. I am hopeful for my own future because I know one day I would be able to do something at least for five or six or ten women in Afghanistan. I will will somehow manage a help or something for them so that I can do something for them. From that angle, I'm really, really hopeful. But from the other side, if you see the emotional side, I will always, always miss my country. I will always miss the work that I was doing back home. And I will always, always miss my parents who are still there. And I don't know when I would be able to meet them again. And one of my brother who is still there that I don't know when I would be able to meet him. So that's a two different kind of feelings at the moment that I have. And I cannot say which I will prefer. It's, it's the same and they are going equally in my life. So it's, it's, it's a very different thing, yeah. That's all we've got time for this week. You can keep up to date with all the news from Afghanistan and around the world at inews.co.uk. And you can follow me on Twitter at Molly Blackall and on Instagram at molly.blackall. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.